this moment. We give you this time. Say, God, we open our hearts to you. We say, speak to us, Lord God. Our hearts, our ears, our minds are open and ready and willing to say yes. Father, wear me today like a glove. I pray, Father, that you'd be the substance of everything that's said and done. That, Lord God, people would hear your voice beyond mine in the deep recesses of their hearts. And that, Father, we would leave this place changed, different than we came. And we promise to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. Grab your seats real quick. And um, I'm just going to tell you a couple of things here. Um, first of all, I don't know if you know, but our kids, uh, zero to kindergarten, are back in service. Come on, put your hands together. Uh, let's just put our hands together for Pastor Chad and his team for making this work. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. And so we're very, very excited about that. Um, like I said, uh, Pastor James said, Pastor's still on sabbatical. But uh, I just took him off sabbatical today because Pastor is going to teach our Membership 101 class. So, yeah, this is awesome. So if you are here and um, you're even considering uh, being a member, this is, this is a great time because Pastor is coming off of his sabbatical early just to teach you. Hello. Amen. Amen. Online, remember, text the word class to 54244. Um, also, I want to let you know that Friday night we had a real special event here. Yeah, some of you were here this uh, Friday night. Friday night we had a real special event here. How many of you know that the purpose of our church is to know Christ and to make Him known, make Him known? So, uh, some long, 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 long time friends of Pastor Eben, uh, Tamela Mann and her husband David Mann, uh, they wanted to have a listening party for their friends. And so they came to Word of Truth. And Word of Truth said, uh, our purpose is to know Christ and to make Him known. And you know what? This is something that's going to help people to know Christ and to make Him known. So we hosted uh, Tamela Mann David Mann and their friends right here at Word of Truth on Friday. I want to let you know you would be proud at how this building showed out for that event. I mean, it was, it was, the sound was exceptional. Everything was going on. Now, the reason, one reason I'm telling you this is because it was a private party. Somebody say private. Say, say, say private party. It was for their friends. So if you, if you ain't their friends, you probably weren't there. <laughs> because it was for who? Their friends. Their friends. And so uh, the staff got invited, praise the Lord. <laughs> I wasn't a friend, but I was a friend of a friend. <laughs> you got what I'm saying? Is that somebody I know knew somebody. You got what I'm saying? And, um, and, the, and then, you know, those who served as ushers were there. And so, you know, we just, we're, we're thankful for our usher team. We're thankful for our staff. Can you put your hands together? They work real hard. And so, I just, I just wanted to let you know that because, you know, sometimes, let me tell you something. One of the dangers of social media, one of the dangers of social media is that it can cause you to have envy 
over something that don't have anything to do with you. I mean, they have nothing to do with you. With you, how come they didn't invite me? I've been listening to her music for years. Okay, well, you know what? It wasn't for those people. It was for the people that you do. And, and, and that's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes social media lets us know too much about what's happening in people's personal life. And then we start comparing it to, don't do that. Don't Listen, the devil is a... Amen, amen. And so we just want to do that. You okay with that? Everybody okay? Come on. God is good and faithful. And we're just excited about what, what he is doing in our church. Uh, one last thing before you go. Wait. The, the next series is called Levels. Levels is going to be awesome. Pastor is going to teach that. It's going to be powerful. And then we're going to get into September when we talk um, our unfiltered series, which is a early service. Uh, nine o'clock. We're going to go to, back to two. We're going back to two services, everybody. Two services. Nine o'clock is going to be married people. Eleven o'clock is going to be singles. Woo! Amen. Excited about that. Final thing is the poster. I don't even have it with me. Listen, you got to get the poster. The final amount of posters. Thank you so much, Pastor James. Listen, we made this poster just for you um, around the Navigate series. If you have kids, you need this poster in their room, on your fridge. You need them to be able to figure out how to make decisions without asking you about every decision. Here's what we've discovered this whole series. Better questions lead to better decisions. And if your children can think better questions up front, they'll make better decisions without your intervention. Alright, you see, that don't matter to you now, but when they're 25 and 30 and still asking you, what should I do? It's going to bother you then. So you got to train them from now. Here's the thing, some of us need this right now. Because some of us are confused about where we should go and what we should do. Pick up one of these. They are free. Who like free things? There you go. Pick up one. Amen? Just pick up one. We did it just for you because we love you. And listen, this is going to save you. Alright, today we're concluding our Navigate series. That took me too long. And I don't have a lot of time. So you got, can you give me some more time from now? Amen. Thank you. Just put your hands together and say, we give you more time, Pastor. Amen. So today we're going to conclude our series called Navigate. And what we've discovered, like I said, is that better questions lead to better decisions. That's the bottom line. And today we have two final questions. One is called the wisdom question, which is what is the wise thing for me to do? And the second one is called the relationship question, which is what does love require of me? And so I'm going to try and cover these two questions in this one message. Amen. The wisdom question, the relationship question. Um, I don't know about you, but here's what I live. I live like this. I drive, and if it says 50, I drive 10% over 50. Because, <laughs> because I figure that the police have this grace. I just think, you know, I don't know where I got it from. But I figure they have this grace 10% amount. So if it's 50, I drive 55. If it's 70, I drive 77. My wife says 80, right? But, but, but here's the thing. I try and get away with as much as I can without getting caught. Oh, y'all don't judge me because I know you all like that too. It may, it, it may not be with driving, but with something. There is something in you that tries to get away with as much. You go as close to the line as you can without falling over. 
We go close to the edge. You know, like, like what frustrates me about Adam and Eve and that whole narrative of Adam and Eve is what were they doing near the tree? That's it. Like, I just figure if the serpent was going to tempt them, but they were far from the tree, it would be so much harder. But that's how we are. Don't do this. But we hang around it and say, okay, you never said don't do that. <laughs> right? And so we, we just kind of, we play these games sometimes where we, we kind of live right up against the line. The line between right, rightish, wrongish, but not wrong. You know what I mean? Good, kind of badish, but you know, moral. We kind of go right up against the line. And the problem with that is that we end up creating a path towards what we are trying to avoid in the first place. Uh, there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 7. There's a whole chapter. I'm not going to read a whole chapter, but I want to take out a lot out of this one chapter. Chapter 7 of Proverbs. Here's what the, the, the older man is saying to his son. He says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman, with her seductive words. No, no, before we just, you know, this is not, this is not about women. This is about anything in your life that you fall for. Man, it could be a website. It could be, it could be the um, certain thoughts that go off in your head. It could be um, toxic relationships. You just seem to swing from one to the next. It could be ice cream. Hallelujah. How many of you know ice cream has some seductive words? Hello. I mean, you walking in the aisle, minding your own business, and ice cream's like, hey. I know you see me. <laughs> right? So, what it, 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 whatever it is, whatever your adulterous woman is, whatever your seductive thing is, this is what it's talking about here. Here's what he goes on. This is really good. He says this. Um, at the window of my house, so, so he's talking like this older man. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple... I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. It's not talking about a woman. It's not talking about youth. How many of you know some old people who have no... Praise Him. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Had no sense. He was going down the streets near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. <laughs> so he's looking at this whole scenario. He sees the young man on one side. He sees her house on the other. He sees him walking that direction. And he, in his mind, if this was a movie, in his mind, the movie is going, Darnam, Darnam. Right. That's what in the youth's mind the movie is going right because because he thinks he's a con that guy is going oh no no this don't look good 
Have you ever been in a situation before where you see somebody making some decisions and you know where this is going? And here's the thing. The thing that they're doing isn't wrong. But it ain't wise. Follow? It's not wrong. It's not wise. And here's the assumption we make a lot of times. If it's not wrong, it's all right. Hmm. If it's not over the line, it's fine. How low can you go? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, 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 we think to ourselves, something like, like, how long can I neglect my, my faith or my family or my health without there being consequences? Or, or how many times can I do this addictive thing without getting... Oh, everybody else gets addicted, but not me. I, I, you know, I can, I can do it. I can handle it. I can manage. I can take one more. How many times? You know, we go from this place of what's wrong with this to how did I get into this? Mm. Verse 10 says, Then a woman, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, with crafty intent. Here's the deal, crafty intent. The enemy always has crafty intent. Verse 18, jumping down, says, Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. So she's already saying to him, Look, it won't Get, you won't get caught. It won't hurt anybody. It's just you and me. Just you and me. Just you and me. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Now, when, when you hear seductive words and smooth talk in your own head about something that you're trying to convince yourself you should be doing when you know you're not supposed to be doing, you understand what I'm saying? Because we are our worst salesperson. We will tell ourselves to swipe that card one more time. And we'll figure out how to pay that. And we know, I've got some money coming in. You understand? We are the ones who tell ourselves, Oh, you need this. When you don't need it. We are our own seducer. Alright, alright. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Wow. Verse 25. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray, and I want you to pay attention to this, into her paths, paths, paths. Stray into her paths. The issue that we have is not the sin issue. The issue we have is a path issue. Why do you get so scared when you see a toddler near a pool? It's not because the toddler is drowning. It's because you see the path. You already see the path. And the path needs to become a problem to us, not just the behavior. Are you following what I'm saying? And so for the young man, the young man is on the street walking and saying, but I'm not in her house, I'm just near her house. There's nothing wrong with being on the same street as where she live. It's not like I'm going there. Like, hello, what's wrong with that? We do the same thing all the time. 
I'm not doing anything wrong. Just because I'm in the place don't mean I'm doing what people do in the place. Proverbs 3, 9-10 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your what? Path, 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 path. What does God want to direct or what? Path, the path issue, the path issue. We, we be, we are, we're sitting down going, God, should I do this, should I do that? God's going, you shouldn't even be on this path. I want you to trust me with the path. Not just the behavior, not just the wrong thing. I want you to trust me with the wise thing. Proverbs 4.18 The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full of day. You know, part of the problem with the path sometimes is that when we start on the path of the righteous, even the unrighteous, we don't see the fullness of it until down the path. So the path of the righteous, it's just breaking little by little, more and more light until the full light of day. So like, if I save now, I'm just using an example, right? If I save now, and I save tomorrow, and I save the next day, it's just like a little light. But in 10 years, it's going to be the light of day. Well, watch this. If I run up debt now, I run it up tomorrow. It might not seem like a whole lot, but in 10 years... It's like the midnight of midnights. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And so the path is the issue we're dealing with. And so today's first question, maturity question, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Your greatest regret, whatever, whoever you are, your greatest regret was preceded by a series of unwise decisions before you had that problem. You can look back. You can look back at any major regret in your life and you go, man, I should have listened, I should have done, I should have changed, I should never have gotten myself all the way to this part. Looking back, you can see the unwise decision. And look, it may just have started off with something as simple as, hey, I just met you and this is crazy, but here's my number. (laughs) Call me. All right, casting. Well, you got a point. Right? It may just have started out with that. Hey, here's my number. Call me. Maybe. Maybe that's where it was. <laughs> hey, what you doing? And then what happens? Then we start on a path. And all along the way, God is asking us, but what's the wise thing to do? We need to ask ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? Ephesians 5 verse 15. I'm going to break this scripture down step by step. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Be careful. Be careful. Peter says it this way. Be vigilant for your adversary, the enemy. He walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You've got to be careful, be vigilant, be aware. Don't be clueless, don't be careless, don't be carefree, don't be casual. You don't drift onto wisdom paths. That's why he says, make 
wisdom your sister. Call inside your relative. What is it? It doesn't happen by accident. You have to be deliberate about living carefully. He says, make the most of every opportunity. In other words, invest your time wisely. Make the most of your time in a way that the things you do propel you towards your vision, your purpose, your hope, your dreams, your desires in life. For the days are evil, he says. Verse 16, because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. In other words, our culture is set up to take you down. Our culture is set up to take you down. It's counting on you being careless. It's counting on you. That's why you should filter your choices through this question. What is the wise thing for me to do? Because it is going to make everything look like a pretty option. And it's up up to you to decide what is the wise thing to do. Therefore it says, don't be foolish, but understand, verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish, I'm sorry, therefore don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, don't approach life as if you don't know what's going on. Don't act like you don't realize the real problem that you face. That you have some issues in your life that you have to deal with. Don't play games. Don't pretend. Don't justify. Don't sort of talk yourself out of being wise. Because we will do that. We will talk ourselves out of being wise. If ice cream is your downfall, don't go in the aisle. Amen. Amen. Ask the question. Face the answer. That's why I want to expand this question a little bit because I think it's really personal for you. I need to make it very personal. Sometimes you would say, what's the wise thing to do? It sounds like, hey, there must be some kind of general wise thing and if I was only wiser. So I'm going to help you learn how to be wiser for you. In light of my past, in your notes, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? So that changes it right there. In light of your past experiences, all of us have a past where we can look back and see what we fall for the most. What does the enemy kind of have a little hook in us with? Like we're all a sucker for something. Hello? All of us have something that for us is just a problem area. It could be a drink. It could be a smoke, it could be a song, it could be, I don't know, it could be a person, it could be a phone number, like once it comes, oh my God, oh my Lord, my heart though, because that phone number, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is that just has you sucked in, that the enemy has a hook in you for, that thing, in light of that thing, what is the wise thing for you to do? Mm. You see, that's different. You see, when I got saved, I, I threw away all of my secular music, like everything, like all my CDs, all my cassette. Anybody know what cassette tape cassette is? Anybody? Yeah, you all know? Yeah, yeah, I, I threw that away. Hey, listen, man, I just ask you, I never know anymore, right? I threw away the cassette tape, threw away the CDs. Why? Because music had a hook in me. So I got rid of it. 
But that's why this thing is a personal relationship with Jesus. You know what I did last week? Uh, last week, last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I deleted Twitter off my phone. I know somebody got frightened. I was look. I was spending too much time on Twitter. I was like, "What? In the world? What am I doing? Why am I spending so much time?" So I deleted it. This is called a personal relationship with Jesus. And what he convicts you of is what he convicts you of because that is your issue. So don't resent what he convicts you of and don't judge other people who aren't convicted of the same thing. But what's wise for you? Just because they can do it don't mean you can do it. Just because they can doesn't mean you should. Because what is okay for somebody else is a weakness and a trap for you. You will get, uh, what is it, what, what did the, the author say? Um, a, an arrow through your liver. It costs your life. Say, so, but everybody else is okay. This, what's wise for you, based on your past experiences, what's wise for you? Based on your past experiences, what is the Lord's will for you? Current circumstances, your past experience, your current circumstances. Uh, you've heard this, never make a permanent decision based on temporary circumstances. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah, based on your current state of mind, what's the right thing for you? What's the wise thing for you to do? For most of us, it's just to keep quiet. Because based on your current state of mind, you don't want to say nothing. Okay, if you say anything, man, we're in trouble right now. So based on your current circumstances, your current state of mind, what's the wise thing for you to do? What about your, your future hopes and dreams? Based on your future hopes and dreams, where you want to be in five years should determine what you do today. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, for where there is no vision, the people perish. That word perish means to cast off restraint. It simply means, if you don't have a dream, goal, desire, if you don't have something ahead of you, then you don't have any discipline in order to get there. You have no, nothing to hold you, to, to uh, confine you, to deter, deter you from doing the wrong things. You have nothing to do that if you don't have a vision and goal for yourself. But if you do have a vision and goal for yourself, it should determine what you do today. Where do you want to be financially in five years? What are you doing today to get there? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that one. Amen. Amen. How should you be spending now? How should you be saving now? How should you be investing now? Now, now, now. You've got to be on the path to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. It goes, it shines brighter and brighter until the fullness of day. It's a path process. It's not an overnight process. But the way in which it starts is from now. What's the wise thing for you to do? If you're single, and what is, the, what is the goal and the dream and the hope and the desire for a relationship in the future? What are you doing now for that? How are you spending your time now? How are you developing yourself now? How are you treating relationships in your life now? What are you doing now? If you see a marriage and you go, hey, you know what? I want to be there for my grandkids and, and grow old my wife. What are you doing now? How are you investing now? What are you, what are you spending the time doing now? How is the now impacting the then? It's not about right and wrong. It's about wise and unwise. 
Which path are you on? Is this making sense, everybody? So, here's the decision. Every, every week, we have a decision that goes with the question. The decision is this. In light of my past experiences, present circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, I will do the wise thing. I will do the wise thing. In light of my past experiences, present circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, I will do the wise thing. If you expect to get to college, then do the wise thing today and do your homework. You following? If you, if you hope one day to become a doctor, do the wise thing now and don't end up spending a whole lot of time partying because it, it, that's not going to get you your hopes and dreams. Do the wise thing. Is it wrong? It's not about wrong. It's about wise. And too many times we make things about wrong and right and wrong when it needs to be about wise and unwise. All right, I'm moving on. Next question, the relational question. What does love require of me? Say that with me. What does love require of me? One more time. What does love require of me? This is the toughest of all the questions. And so this is why we're going to end it with this. The toughest of all the questions. And the reason why is because all the other questions serve my interest. This one serves the interest of others. Is it all the other questions about wisdom? Hey, you know, am I being honest with myself? What's the story I want to tell? You know, right, is there an uh, attention that requires my attention? Right, what's the wise thing to do? All of those benefit me. At the end of the day, if I ask myself those questions, I come out on top. It's so good. It's going to help me so much. It's going to cause me to just like, like float, like rise to the top because I made wisdom my sister. I called and got wisdom and understanding and it pushes me to the top but when it says what does love require of me that puts other people on top that's a tough one because this is the one where other questions have a guaranteed outcome you walk in wisdom you're guaranteed to prosper when you walk in wisdom but love there's no guarantee here boy you can love somebody and somebody ain't loving you back. And that's a fact. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There is no guarantee with love. You may not see the outcome because it's not about you. It's about making somebody else's life better. And because of that, sometimes we will resist answering this question honestly because it means sacrificing something on our part. But of all the questions... We've gone through. This is the question God wants us to wrestle with the most. And here's why. Because Jesus gave us a new command. Right? Jesus came along. He said, hey man, all the commandments and all the laws and prophets are up in these two things. Love the Lord your God with heart, heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he carries the disciples at the end of his life. He says, hey guys, I have a new command I want to give you. And they're like, um... Didn't you just give us two new commands before? I mean, well, not even new because those were from the Old Testament. So we knew those long time. What are you talking about? He says, hey, here's a new, new command. John 13 verse 34 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Which sounds just like the commandment that he said before. But then he says these, four, five words that really change the whole thing. As I have loved you. As I have loved you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you love one another. As I have loved you. When we think about how Jesus has loved us, here's what we think about. We think about the cross. 
they didn't have the cross at that night. That night, he was about to go to the cross. What they had was this experience with him. They had uh, Matthew. You remember Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector. And because he was a tax collector, everybody hated him who was an Israelite. Everybody hated him because he was collecting taxes from them and giving them to their enemy, the Roman government. And so they rejected him. But Jesus passed them and said, Hey, Matthew, follow me. And so Jesus says, Matthew, do you remember when I accepted you when everybody else rejected you? That's how I want you to love others. So Peter, remember how you run up your mouth all the time? Run up your mouth. Oh, you talk so much. You're so impetuous. You want to like fight everybody. You're just doing it. And you you know how I gathered, I, I came around and said, hey man, I want to make you a fisher of men. Remember that? I gave you purpose. That's how I want you to love people. I want you to love people the way I loved you. Remember when you guys were arguing about who would be the greatest and I came and I just said, hey guys, that's not how we think. That's not how we do things around here. That's how I want you to love people. I want you to love people the way I love you. You know how imperfect you are and how perfect I am? And I still call you my friends? That's how I want you to love people. So the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So this is what I call the platinum rule. (laughs) You ready? The platinum rule. Do unto others as Jesus has done unto you. That's a whole different rule now. That's a whole different rule now. So what does love require of me then? What does love require of me? Love, that question, what does love require of me, should inform the way we date, how we parent, how we lead, how we manage people. Right? If we're a boss... If we're a co-worker, how we treat the people around us, how we coach, it should form a boundary around what we say and what we do. What does love require? Before you say what you say, what does love require of me? Before you do what you do, what does love require of me? What does it require of you in terms of uh, how you parent and, and how you deal with your husband or your wife or how you deal with your neighbor? Or, or What does love require of you? Because that's a question that gives clarity to the path of relational health. But here's the thing about it. It doesn't guarantee a return. It doesn't guarantee a return. Jesus loved these guys and Judah still betrayed him. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Jesus loved them and loved Judas and Judas still betrayed him. So why would I want to do it? Because this is the only thing, listen to me, the only thing that Jesus says, by this they will know. You are my disciples. Nothing else! Come on, put your hands together right there. By this, by this thing they will know. Why would I put myself in that position? Because Jesus says, no matter how much Bible you read, no matter how much time you come to church, no matter how much tithing you tithe, that's not what people look at and say, oh, that's a real Christian. No, you know the one thing they look at? That you love expecting nothing in. Oh, oh my God. This is a whole different level. Oh, Lord, my time. Come on, come on, Lord. Hello, Jesus, help me. <laughs> so so here's, here's, a little, here's, a little, um, here's a little rhyme for you. When unsure, when unsure of what to say or do, ask what love requires of you. So cute. 
When unsure of what to say or do, ask, what does love require of you? When unsure of what to say or do, ask what love requires of you. And so what does love look like? 1 Corinthians 13. You know this. You know this. But I will say it because I want you to hear 1 Corinthians 13. They call it the love chapter. We hear it at weddings all the time. But I want to read it now with this thought in mind. Number one, love is patient. I'm going to read this right here from the script. Watch this. Love is patient. Love requires patience. It's not pushy. Love requires that I move at your pace rather than requiring you to move at mine. Woo! Mamma mia! Love requires that I move at your pace mm, rather than requiring you to move at mine. Think about Jesus moving at their pace. Rather than saying, boys, you're still, you still not perfect yet? <laughs> Imagine being a parent moving at their pace. Rather than requiring them to move at mine. Require, re, re, imagine a husband or a wife moving at their pace. Oh, that's hard right there, boy. I tell you, those dishes still not washed. Praise God. It ain't easy, it ain't easy, it ain't easy, it ain't easy, it ain't easy. But love is patient, hallelujah. <laughs> the light's still not cut off, but love is patient, praise God. The toilet paper roll is, oh, ah, yeah, ah. Love is patient. Praise God. Love is kind, kind. Love requires kindness. Kindness is love's response to weakness. Here, here's, here's a, here, listen to this phrase. Kindness is the decision to loan others our strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. What? Kindness. Loaning others our strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. That's heavy. I said right there, kindness. Uh, love is not self-seeking. It, love requires selflessness. Love is not self-seeking or selfish. It puts the interests of others first. Hmm. By the way, that alone would solve most problems in relationships. Right there. Right? The number one issue in relationships is selfishness. Selfishness. All right, I'm going to move on. <laughs> is it? It's not easily angered. It's not easily angered. Love requires us to address our anger privately, not spill out on everybody else. We, we, got, we have to own it. We have to own our anger. Here, here's what I mean by we have to own it. Stop blaming other people for your anger. Love says, I ain't going to blame anybody for my anger. I'm going to own it, and I'm going to address it, and I'm going to deal with it. That's what love says. Hmm. Own it and work on it. Uh, it keeps no records, no record of wrongs. You know, as love requires us to forgive. Think about this. Funny thing about record keepers. They're really good at keeping other people's records, but they're really bad at keeping their own. 
Come on, you know it's true, right? You know it's true. Like the record keepers, the people who keep our records of wrongs, they can't tell you they're wrongs. But it really, <laughs> praise the Lord. That's why forgiveness is so powerful. Love is not about, po- listen, when somebody reminds you of your mistakes and your wrongs, do you know what that does for them? It elevates them to a position over you. Love doesn't power up. I'm going to say that again. Love doesn't power up. Love powers down in order to win the other person and to, to help the other person along. All right, I have seven minutes. We're about finished here. Love doesn't delight in evil. I'm going to put all these together. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. In other words, love requires us to see and believe the best while choosing to downplay the rest. Love requires us to see and believe the best while choosing to downplay the rest. Love chooses a generous explanation when it doesn't meet our expectation. Yeah. When other people don't meet our expectation, love goes, there must be a good explanation. Let me think positive. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We want other people to treat us this way. That's the thing. We want other people to treat us this way, but we don't require ourselves to treat others this way. We want people to be patient with us. We want people to be kind. We want people to not be easily angered. Hello. We want people to, uh, can can you believe the best about me? We want people to do that. But we are not requiring ourselves to do it for them. That's the problem. And that's why the question is, what does love require of me? Because the truth is, that's how I would want to be treated. And Jesus says, that's how I treat you. Every single day. And so, what does love require of you? Could it be an apology? Could it be an explanation? Could it be a phone call? Could it be taking somebody out to coffee? Let me tell you something. You might make the apology and they won't respond right. You might invite them to coffee and they won't, and they'll say, no, no, thank you. But what does love require of you, not of them? Of you. Of you. And so, there are no guarantees with this because it's for them. You see that? There are no guarantees. But Jesus says that's the only way they'll know that you're my disciple. That's it. Period. And so here's the decision. The relationship decision is this. I will decide with the interests of others in mind. I will decide with the interests of others in mind. Paul ends this whole thing and says this. Now, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, come on, say it with me, is love. Amen. Come on, put your hands together if you learned something today. Hallelujah. Man, God is good. Bow your heads with me some uh, for a second. Here's a question I want to ask as we close. The, clo- the question is this. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? In light of your past experiences, present circumstances, future hopes and dreams 
Is there a decision you need to make today before you leave this room that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your heart and saying, you know you need to get off that path. You know you need to get off, make a detour. You've got to get off that path. The Holy Spirit brought you here today to hear this message to make sure that you don't keep walking down the same path and making excuses and justifying and telling yourself it's okay because I'm doing nothing wrong. He says, I'm not interested in that right now. I'm interested in wisdom because I see where this is going. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What is He saying about your relationships today? Given your relationships, what is love requiring of you today? Could be forgiving somebody. It could be apologizing to somebody. But what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? I want to pray for us. I want us all to just be engaged in this prayer because God is speaking to you personally. So, Father, right now, our answer is yes. And what you're asking, Lord God, what you're saying, Lord, it may be tough, but our answer is yes. And we may not understand the how and, and, and work out the, the details, but our answer is yes. We will do the wise thing. We will do the loving thing. Our answer is yes. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, you're watching online, you've never asked Jesus in your heart.